Hey, this is Craig Wade and Brian Allen Delaney from B Movies and Ebooks, a podcast about cult and horror films and genre fiction. You can catch new episodes on iTunes and Stitcher every Wednesday, or you can watch us live on Blab.im Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. B Movies and Ebooks. We bleed fiction. The following podcast is a B and E Network exclusive. So here we are with a special edition. I um, couldn't let this opportunity pass up since we, uh, between us, we actually have a lot of ghost stories that we end up telling all the time. So I figured it would be interesting and uh, an easy shortcut to immortalize them on the podcast. Um, this none of these have anything to do with film or production or anything like that, aside from the fact that you know. I do movies. Melanie's been in the movies. Melanie's produced some of the movies. But uh, I don't think I have any. That, well, actually, the. You do. The, the ones the that access. access yeah, are that's right. That's right. That one is. Related to that, your job. That is kind of related to the job. I those are the best about. ones. Yeah, those are really good. So those will be. We'll Last. get to. We'll work our way towards those. But um, yeah, we'll tell a few. And um, <laughs> before we mention that, before we get to that, uh, I guess we should mention that yesterday. <coughs> Sorry, I have a cold. Yeah, yeah. Melanie's got a cold. And I. I kind of have one so if our voices are a little scratchy that's why um but yeah we got to mention that yesterday was our in the spirit of things yesterday was our anniversary yep number 13 our 13th anniversary and did you see that that dustin guy was watching i did i liked it witchcraft he 13 said, he was watching witchcraft 13, 13 mm-hmm. on our 13th anniversary which means we were shooting that movie 13 years ago because we got married right in the middle of the two right. shoots so um yeah so another good reason to do this so <clears throat> Early on, you told me that I don't remember how I first got we got you first told me this told story because I, I tell everyone this story. Yeah, I think it's just you just really like ghost story. Like one I of the love things, ghost stories. One of the things we thing. all that always happens when we're with other people is like you're like let's sit around and tell ghost stories. That's always and, my idea, and everyone right. rolls their eyes, but they do well, it anyway. Like, I always think no one's gonna have any that come close to like that one, and then the accent. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, let's just get through it so we can get to ours because ours are pretty good. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so this happened when you were how long? Oh, yeah, so this happened a long time ago. It was I would say circa 1997 ish, or maybe 1998. I was um, a student at UT Austin at the time, and I was dating a guy who lived in Alvin, Texas, and he hadn't quite transferred up to UT yet. So when I would come down for the summer. I would spend a lot of time at his house driving back and forth from his house to my house. Um, so I live, or I, I'm from, I don't live there now, but I'm from Texas City's, uh, Texas, which is, um, for those that have no idea the area, I'll just say Galveston because that's the bigger place that everyone seems to understand where that is. Um, but I would, and Alvin is about maybe 25 minutes up 45 north-ish uh, near Santa Fe, if anybody can kind of picture where that is. Um, so I was staying at his house, and I had a curfew at the time. Uh, I think I had to be home like at midnight or 1230 or something like that. And so I'm driving home, and at the time, I think I was driving home on Highway 517, which it's much larger now, like, it's not as like when I when I was driving it back then it was just two lanes and you know one went with a dotted dotted line down the middle so one way one side went one way and the other side went the other um, and it was just this small two laner tree lined most of the way um, dark now it's much wider and there's a lot more built up around it just like just like the way everything is after time. Um, but it was about, you know, midnight-ish, and I'm driving, and I had a Pontiac Sunbird, I remember. And everything was pretty normal. Um, I was maybe going 50 miles an hour. That was the speed limit. Um, and then all of a sudden... Uh, I see something in the road and I didn't see it until I was pretty much almost up on it, like almost fixing to run over it. And at the time you saw it, it was already like in the middle. of. It was in the middle of like, my lane. You're right. Okay. It was almost like it just kind of, it was so odd the way that it happened. It was like, it was there. It wasn't there. And then all of a sudden it was there. And I was like about to run over it. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's how all of that, stuff goes down when there's not proper lighting, you know, where you're driving. You don't see things until your right. car lights at it. But I at first was like, and this all is happening like split second, super fast, but when your adrenaline's pumping, those moments don't seem to belong to time. Um, I just remember thinking, oh my God, I'm about to hit a deer. Because as I said, both sides of the road were trees. Mm. Um, I thought this is some kind of fuzzy creature. Um, all I could see was the color brown, and then I thought, wait a minute, that's not a that's not a deer because deers don't wear clothes. Because it looked like it was wearing some kind of cloak, um, but like made out of potato sack. Yeah, but it didn't look like a person either. It looked like. Kind of like, there's a couple of different ways I like to describe it. 
kind of like a Jawa from Star Wars, but not as distinct. Like it didn't look exactly like that. Right. Or like um, the things from Phantasm. Like the things from Phantasm, yeah. but it didn't look exactly like that. Whatever right. it was, was hunched over uh-huh. and walking laboriously, like it was having a hard time getting across. Um, but something about it was um, more... I just really had a guttural feeling that it was not human, that it was not a person that I needed to help, if that makes any sense. In my gut, it was not a situation where I was like, oh my God, there's this person and they need to get across the road, let me help them. Mm-hmm. I did not have those feelings at all. It looked, I, I would say the most, the closest way to describe it would be if it was E.T., and you're watching E.T. walk somewhere covered in a cloak. Um, you know how E.T. would walk weird because he just had like feet. Yeah. Like there were no legs. Right, it was right. like he would waddle shifting, kind of side side. Yeah. waddling with no leg, no, no legs happening. And it was so that was like a paranormal situation because I didn't know what it was. And I didn't have time to register exactly what was going on. But. I my car, like I said, was going about fifty miles an hour, and I had no time. I didn't. I didn't hit my brakes once. Yeah. Uh, I what I did was luckily I'd hit a part of the road where to my right was like gravel because it was like you could kind of turn off and park because there was like a driveway to like a farm or something. Mm-hmm. There was a tree. I don't know how I didn't slam into the tree. But I remember just taking the wheel and just turning it to the right and then turning it to the left. And I made this perfect little triangle, like V shape away from it. And I was, before I knew it, I was back on the road and I was passing it up. But the the weirdest part about it was it recognized that I was there. And it was, I kid you not, starting to turn its head to look at me, but before I could actually see its face, uh, I was already too far away, and I had no intention of turning around to see it, because by then, I had this really strange feeling that I had just narrowly escaped something really, really bad, but I don't know how to explain that with any any um, rational context. It was all just in my gut. Like, I didn't go, wow, that was probably a really small person that I almost ran over. Let me go back and check on them and see if they're okay. Like, I did not right. feel that way. And I think I in normal circumstances would have felt that way. I would have actually probably the way that I am put myself in danger to help someone. Um, if you know, if I had any inkling that it was an appropriate situation, but this felt so strange to me and so not human that I just wanted to get away as fast as I could and I was really terrified after that I was afraid that it was going to find me and but you know I read ghost stories on a regular basis and I I have a hard time finding any that that are that are like mine any usually stories with cloaked beings they're like super tall and yeah black cloaks and it's like this weird like grim reaper looking thing and yeah 
not until recently did I actually hear a story on a podcast where someone mentioned something kind of similar. Right. Uh, Didn't you find a story in a book? It was something in San Antonio at some monks, mission. Yeah. Evil monks. I remember you telling me, yeah. oh, this is just, this is more like, this is the most likely yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, they the descriptions there are very specific. Like, this is a pissed off monk. Right. You know, or, and I'm not anywhere near, well, not that I know of. This is like, the monk thing, I think, is like near the Alamo or something. I could be wrong, though. Probably. It's definitely That's a Texas the, thing. Yeah, missions mostly over there. Um, but yeah, that was, I, that was I, mine. I don't know. I think you might have kind of blew past this part, but the part that I, that I always think about uh, is when you describe how uh, you your car moved, how it felt when your car moved around it. It cornered like it was, as Vivian would say from Pretty Woman, it cornered like it was on rails. <laughs> it was like my car was on a train track that was shaped like a V. Yeah. I mean, I didn't skid out. I didn't. I didn't hit the tree that was right there. Yeah. Which I found amazing because I did, I'm telling you, I swear, I didn't, t- I did not touch the brake. So I was so afraid and I didn't right. have time. I was so close to it. Right. That braking would not have helped. I would have smashed it. Yeah. Um, I mean, smashed it and like mashed it. I would have hit it and then run over it. Like it would have been terrible. But I just, so I just did what, I just did what I just, turned the wheel and I found it really odd that I didn't have an accident. It was really odd. The whole thing was shrouded in oddness. Yeah. And there's no, I I know you've looked into this, but just so that the people that are listening to this know, you never found any sort of connection or other stories or similar. The only story that I've found, I heard way long time later, just by accident, my cousin Carla, who's about, she's nine years older than me, and she said one time, I don't remember, we were at some Thanksgiving party or something, and I heard her talking about how she saw a UFO on 517. That's the same street? Five, the same, same street, yeah. yeah. But she, this happened to her in the, in the 80s when she was a teenager just hanging huh. out. So the road was even less developed then when right. she saw it, but she said she saw a UFO. Um, back out on 517. But, and I kind of thought, oh, well, that's odd because my thing happened on 517. But I've never really thought of it as an alien. Right. Per se. I've always, I don't know what I thought of it as. Yeah, it's real. It was really weird. I never saw, I didn't see fur though. I have to say, I didn't see any fur. I just saw this potato sack type thing on something that was hunching over. But definitely had wow. a head because it was turning it to look at me. Wow. And I had a feeling that if it saw me, I was going to be in for some shit. Yeah. That's crazy. I think stuff like that would probably make me. It's like a cryptid. It's like a, more like a cryptid right, story. Right. But why was it wearing clothes? You yeah. know? Yeah. I think Chupacabra that, is not going to be wearing like a. Shit my pants faster than ghost, like an actual. It ghost was pretty scary. Thing, you know? And what I found uh, the most odd about it was just how. All the decisions I made about it were so not rational. It was like a cellular reaction. Yeah. Um, primal. It was primal. Yeah. It was like I immediately knew that this was not human, but I don't know why. And I immediately knew that I did not need to go back because that would be terrible. Yeah. But I don't know why I thought that. 
No, um, yeah, I mean that makes sense. That 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 dread. I mean, it's kind of how I. Felt it was very scary. When, but not until later, started. while it was happening, it wasn't very scary. Yeah. But it was just as I was leaving it, I thought, "Oh my god, that was bad." Yeah. So after, so you go home. You're you're scared. Go to sleep. It how, left how, me quickly. Yeah. How long was it before you told someone else? Probably the next day. You, you know me. I'm sure I told my parents. <laughs> I'm sure I told JJ, the guy that I was dating at the time, I'm sure yeah. I told him enough to where he was like, please shut up. I don't yeah. want to hear the story anymore. You know me, I tell everybody everything right. all the time. I even repeat myself. Who are like, Melanie, we've heard this story, please <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but um, I have other stories, but that's my, that's my best one. I have some yeah, other weird stories, but that's my best one, I think, because it's just so weird. Yeah. Well, tell one of the other ones before we get to the... We're gonna cap well, what are we your, going on next? Well, the, we're going to cap you off with uh, the Myrtles. And that one's not even as good for me. It's better for you. Because yeah, mine just, could just be me being hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> but I de- shit was definitely happening. I was so afraid, though. I've never been so afraid in my life that I'll never go back to Myrtles. <laughs> well, okay. I say that we'll, I we'll, won't. We'll tease it. But before we get to it, what are, what, are your other stories like more like around that same time, Texas City? What, what was the other one? Okay, so I was going to tell the one. There was one weird thing that happened to me in Austin. Okay. When I was li- when I was living with uh no I was living in the dorms but I was staying at I was staying at my friend's apartment. Okay. A lot. So this is like your first year there or first yeah, semester there. Yeah. My first semester there when okay. Alicia and Laura and oh god what's the other girl's name um. Nina no. Uh. Nani, Nani, they were living in an apartment together and I was living in the dorms on campus, but I was miserable. So um, I would go over to their apartment all the time. And they lived off of Old Torf and I can't remember the, the name of the apartment complex, but it was a really cool apartment complex, of course. It was all college kids. And their apartment was really weird because it was like this huge living room and then the kitchen was like totally secluded in the back. Like there were no windows. There was a back door. Yeah. But it was nice the way that it was set up because it was two bedrooms. One bedroom was huge. And it, if I'm remembering correctly, had its own bathroom and huge closet. And then on the other side was where Nani would stay. Um, and she had her own bathroom. So it was nice. It was nice for like if you had roommates because it was like you lived in a little, you know, you had your own little thing. So Alicia and Laura slept in the bigger bedroom to the left and Nani slept in the other. And she was not there very much because she had a boyfriend and was kind of doing her own thing. And But the weird thing about this apartment, and everybody said it, not just me, you'd go there and you would immediately just want to take a nap. You would just be like sucked of all I mean we ha- we made grandiose plans in that apartment and then it was like you would have thought we were stoned constantly because we were like oh yeah I don't really feel like doing that like as soon as you got in the apartment you were like I just don't really feel like doing that let's just stay here and let's just sit and stick our thumbs up our asses <laughs> at least that's how I felt and I kind of feel like everybody that happened to everybody right it was a real energy suck that place but one night, like I said, I stayed there a lot because I wasn't really happy in the dorm. 
Yeah. I, I thought I was going to have like a really great dorm experience and have a uh, a roommate that actually was around. But like I transferred to UT when I was a junior. A lot of those kids have been at UT since they were freshmen right. and they had already built those networks and they yeah. didn't feel, you know, this girl had a boyfriend. So she was always gone. Very nice girl. Yeah. But um, you, you're in Jester, too. Right? I was in Jester. Yeah, so, so it was like being in depressing. fucking yeah. prison. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, weird things happened to me there, uh, too. But anyway, I had a really strange phone call one time that I could never explain. But anyway, um, back to the apartment. So they Alicia and Laura had these really big, comfortable couches. They really there wasn't a lot of furniture because, you know, we're college kids. And everything's transitory. You're not going to keep anything. And yeah. they had this table that was dark blue wood with like a glass, a glass input in the middle. And they had painted it with silver stars all over the place. Anyway, so that was kind of what. And then there was a TV and then there was like a bookshelf and that was it. Um, but one night... I'm sleeping on the couch and something keeps waking me up and you know, there were neighbors above and if they were making too much noise, the windows would shake a little bit. No, no big deal. I mean, that happens here in this apartment all the time. Um, but one night, I mean, I just kept hearing this shaking, the shaking, the shaking, like things, on top of glass that are being moved about. Uh-huh. Okay. So finally, like it wakes me up enough that I'm like, okay, what is up? So I turn and I look and the, the table, the little coffee table that with the painted silver stars there was always so much shit on that table. Like I would get yelled at. Like when we later on, when we all moved in together and we still had that table, I would get yelled at constantly for always trying to clean it off and throwing someone's shit away. It was always cluttered with forks and knives and plates and, you know, just all kinds of shit would just gather on that one table. Right. That table was shaking like somebody had grabbed it by the legs and was just like shaking it. So the sound that I was hearing was the things moving about on top of the glass. Excuse me for a minute. (coughs) And I was half asleep. So I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's fine. It's just the poltergeist. And I like I really had that thought and I just rolled over and went back to sleep. And then my eyes just like shot open when I realized like the ridiculous of what I just said. And I I then I got really scared. And then I really registered this table is shaking. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, is it the neighbors? The sooner you start problem solving and I thought, well, maybe it's really the windows. Maybe it's really the windows are shaking because they always would shake. And it's not really the table. Well, no, it was the table. And I cannot explain how the table would be shaking like that. So I get up, which (coughs) was terrifying. You want some Coke? 
No, I, I might see my white tea. Hold on. Got it. Coke the soda. Oh, yeah. No, it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> so I somehow make it across the the epically long <clears throat> living room into Laura's in Alicia's room. And, and Laura slept on this um, just like a mattress on the floor. I have no I don't know why, but it's college. Alicia had actual bed, but <laughs> Laura slept kind of perpendicular to her on a mattress on the floor. And uh, I remember just going into their room and just standing there and looking at Laura, but not saying a fucking thing. Uh-huh. I didn't say a thing. Laura just fucking wakes up and sits up like fucking um, the guy from, oh, come on, the vampire where he just like pops up. Oh, uh, from Dust Till Dawn. She, no, no, the, the old one, the old vampire where he... Nosferatu? Nosferatu. Oh, okay. She I, I always think of Danny Trejo like coming straight up behind the bar. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah, but uh, that's what I don't think she yeah. sat up, but she woke up yeah, immediately. Was, she popped up quick. And then it's that scared me. Yeah. Because I was like, whoa, she just freaking woke up and I didn't, hadn't said anything yet. And she, she said, what? And I said, uh, the coffee table's shaking. And then I don't remember what happened after that. I don't know if she was like, bitch, go back out and go to sleep. Or if she let me sleep with her. I really don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. I'm, I don't have memories of actually making her get up and go look. <laughs> I don't know. But, but Laura would have totally been like, oh, yeah, it totally is. I mean, she was not one. She was not going to be somebody to be like, use your common sense. She was not a very right. commonsensical person. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was my apartment story. And the, so the apartment that you guys eventually lived together in was not that apartment. No, but that's when the other weird thing happened with the kid. That's not a ghost story. Oh, the weird guy. This. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. The guy who tried to kidnap me from the parking lot, and then he was like jingling on the. Oh, on yeah. the door, yeah, you trying weird. to get in the door. That yeah. was so scary. Yeah. But that was not. That's not a ghost story. I mean, it could have been a ghost story, but I think he was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he was an actual, real uh, flesh and blood lunatic. Yeah, sounds like it. Pretty much. Okay, so we'll so now we'll get to the Myrtles thing. Okay. So fast forward, many many years. We're married. I think we did this for our. Are we married yet? Yeah, because I yeah, was working it, for the HBA. Well, that was the whole point of the trip. It was. I, I want to say it was our second anniversary. So it was, it was early. It was like two thousand and six or two thousand and seven. Yeah, but it, it was, was before it was this time I worked of, at MD. Anderson. It was this time of year for sure because yeah. it was our anniversary trip. And I want to say it was second. <laughs> I don't remember what we did for our first, but for whatever reason in my head, I remember it's the second one. Um, so we were probably making a movie on the first. Probably so. so. Yeah, I think it was because I think it was Sweatshop. Yeah. Um, anyway. So uh, I don't remember how we first place. got the idea, but I remember we thought of it pretty close to the time. And they just happened to have an opening. Right. So I, I said, hey, what about for our anniversary trip? What if we, what if I book a, um, we'll go to New Orleans. I'll try to find a room in a, ha- in a haunted hotel along the way, or maybe we could stay at the <laughs> Myrtles, you know, because there's a lot of, I mean, obviously, if you know anything about ghosts and, you know, creepy cities, New Orleans, you've got to, a plethora of plans that you can make. And then, you know, we can take a ghost tour. But it was also, like I said, it was relatively close to the date. So I wasn't sure. Like, if you were to go to look, like we actually did look about a month ago and shit was already booked up, you know. And for, it was very expensive. And it was very expensive. So, because we were going to try to do it again this year and we may still, but later, you know, when it's more open. But 
so I was like, well, let's roll the dice and see what I can find. And I looked, and I immediately, the Myrtles had an opening. Uh, but I not call, in the house proper, in, right, the in the slave quarters, quarters in the back. Right. And so I called them, and I said, is this lit for real? And they said, yeah, we had somebody cancel, but you need to jump on it. So my first thought is, okay, I want to do this, but I'm going to call Melanie and run the idea by her because I don't want to get there. Her gets really scared, and then we don't have a place to stay because it... Even though it wasn't as expensive as it probably is now, it was still not very cheap. So before I commit, let's just make sure you're okay with this. So I asked Melanie, hey, would you be down for staying at the Myrtles Plantation in Baton Rouge or St. Francisville yeah. mm -hmm. on the way to New Orleans, before we go to New Orleans, and then we'll maybe find a place to stay in New Orleans, but definitely take a coast tour. And your answer was? Sure. Yeah, you were all about it. Like there was no, yeah. hes no hesitation. You were excited. So I booked it. Yeah. We planned to go. Uh, we get in the car, drive down there. It's fun. We get there. It's still daytime. You know, it's uh, for anybody that's been or for anybody that's not been down there. It's the Myrtles Plantation. If you're facing the house, it looks like it's in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and all the pictures lead you to believe that. And it kind of is. I mean, it's secluded. In a small but if town. you go just a further way down, yeah, if you like turn around, there's, joint, there's a pizza place, there's a, mini -mart. And a, there's a subway, and a gas station right across yeah. the street. So it's like civilization. But not. But not. But y y that kind of took a little of the edge off. And we're also like we're arriving in the late afternoon. So it kind of takes the edge off of it a little no, bit. No, it was night. When it we, was nighttime when we got there. Really? Yes. Because I didn't think I don't think it got dark until we came back from the no. restaurant. Oh. Because we went to go eat at the Italian restaurant. I remember. I being remember there. driving in for the first time and it being so dark. But maybe maybe I'm thinking of yeah, after I we think came back. I think, I think your experience is. Coloring. Color. Colored by what happened. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, we got there about uh, it was like four thirty or something. Because we're checking in and everything. It was still because remember we walked through the the um, oh we yeah we were walking around the uh, the back patio area and like we went over to where the bridge was and all that because we didn't have time to do that the next day. We had to get to New Orleans. I just wanted to leave there. Yeah. I, there was no way I was staying there. Yeah. So and this to is leisurely why. walk around. <laughs> right. So we get there and. Um, People are already kind of checking in. We're we're in like we said, we're in the slave quarters. So that part of the property is kind of like an old school motel. Like mm -hmm. think of the Bates Motel. You you pull up right in front of where you're staying. Like your your headlights of your car would be shining into your window of your room. You know, like you're right there in front of your door. So we get checked in. We go park. They kind of tell us what the deal is. There's breakfast in the morning. Um, the, let make sure we let them know if we have any experiences. And other people are starting to show up, but it's not too crazy yet. Uh, so we kind of go check out our room, and we, we get to the room, and you immediately notice that. Well, when we got into the room, I, I immediately was like, oh, my gosh. Because I was watching Ghost Hunters a lot at the time. Yeah. It was real big then. It was that really, was, that was really it big. was really big. Um, and they actually had filmed in... One, I don't know. It wasn't our room, but I think it was the room that's closest to the other building, like the Azalea room or something. We weren't right. in that one. I think we were in like the Magnolia or something. Yeah. But they're all sort of like mirror images or duplicates of one another. But I recognized the table with the lamp. Yeah. And I went, oh my gosh, I just saw an episode of Ghost Hunters where they captured the, the lamp moving on the table. So that kind of messed me up. Yeah. Get go. So that was the beginning of yeah. your trepidation. Yeah. So, um, Sorry. no, that's fine. So we, we put our stuff down. Um, 
we go, we decide to go eat. The only pl- the closest place is that Italian restaurant that's like right across the way. <clears throat> so we go over there. Uh, it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. Um, better than I thought it would be, actually. And then we come, because there's no, while there is a kind of a restaurant in. It was closed. Everything was closed. Yeah, everything was closed. Cause they were, so we come back and things are starting to like get a little more hectic over there because people are starting to arrive that are that had the same idea we were we did which was we're going to stay here for halloween and ghost hunt and unfortunately a lot of those people were already like three sheets to the wind when they showed up so uh do you remember the chain of like the like how so we get back from the restaurant Mm -hmm. did we walk around the house at all we kind of laid down didn't we but then we got up we did walk around a little bit because remember we scared that lady. Right, the lady that we kept scaring. Like, then we every smelled, five steps. so we we decided we would walk around a little bit. Walk but people ground, were just yeah. kind of really too crazy, and it was getting on my nerves. Yeah, and there but were a lot we of people there. We kept smelling um, really sweet cigar smoke, and so we thought, well, let's go see if we can find where that's coming from. And we walked all around, even back to that house behind it. Right. And we just kept randomly smelling this really strong, sweet, um, like pipe. I don't know if it would be cigar, but it would be pipe smoke. Something, something tobacco-y-ish. But it wasn't like a normal cigarette. And we could never figure out what that was or where it was coming from. So we kind of gave up. And then we went inside. Yeah, because people were out of control. Yeah, we actually. So the way those the slave quarters rooms are is like the the front door is where you park, and then the patio, like sort of the back door of the room, opens up onto the main courtyard, so everybody can kind of go out there. And there's a large expanse, and then if you keep if you were to keep walking about like a hundred yards away, is this little island and bridge where the, all the cherubs and stuff that dot the entire property. Like there's a lot of those over there. So you can kind of just walk out there and chill, you know, and people are kind of walking around and smoking. But right. we decided to, we were just going to pop out and see what was up. And as Melanie steps out of the patio door, we just hear, ah! And this woman, like, fell into the bushes. Fell into the bushes. And then I walk out and she screams again. Yeah, we scared her. Everything we did scared her. Yeah. And like, when you're like, are you okay? She's like, ah! Yeah. So and she's like she, she apologized. She's like, oh, I'm so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just really on edge or whatever. She was like just waiting. She was drunk too, though. Yeah, she was pretty drunk. Um, and there's there, I remember there's black cats everywhere, just running around. There's one that would sit on the fence by where we were staying. And so that kind of a that yeah that annoyed us. And people were just people were ghost hunting air quotes. But, but they were being very loud. They were just being loud and, and screaming out Chloe, Chloe. Right. And I was like, oh, come on. Right. Because Chloe gonna is going to kill like, us yeah. all. She's, that's supposedly the female servant the that worked there that haunts that the That poison the, the children. That poison and, the children. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we should probably give them backstory, but you can look it up. Uh, everyone a, knows that. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and honestly, I don't know. I don't even think half of that I don't shit think is half true. Of it, but I mean, there's definitely an energy there for sure. And we'll get to but that. But I don't think it was Chloe. Right. Exactly. So, but this place is supposed to be like one of the most haunted houses in America. So right. that's why we're staring. That's why we're staying there. That's why all these other people are there too. So we get annoyed with everybody. We go to lay down. Um, because it's pretty late at this point. I think if this was like close to midnight, and the room was difficult to be in. Like, 
I don't know how else to explain it. It was one, it was a situation where the room felt off, like charged. Yeah, you know, like I never really. I think this was after we did this, but the way that they that it's described in fourteen oh eight before the shit goes down, but like when it's just like making him prickle. Yeah, you know, and like something is something's in the air and it's weird and like you're expecting the walls to melt or whatever. That's kind of, I did feel like that. I'm like, man, this place is, I don't know. There's just something weird about it. It wasn't really freaking me out, but I, I definitely felt off kilter for sure. It was like twilight zone. Yeah. So, um, I, did you decide to take a bath? I don't know. I don't remember. I, Probably. Cause I take a bath everywhere. Right. But I remember I fell asleep. No, you saw some shit. Before you fell asleep, or did you wake up and I, then you saw it? I woke up. I was wide awake when that happened because I woke up to it. Oh. Yeah, because I do remember us trying to go to sleep, yeah. and then we had to wait. We got up, and I don't. I think we went outside again because we yeah. just could not sleep. Right, right. So I think, and so at what point did your thing happen? Was it after I saw? All of my stuff happened after you fell asleep. Okay. So I fall asleep. But bef- yeah. And uh, for the first time. For the first time. <clears throat> and then I, I, what wakes me up is you. The, no, the beeping of the car. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I thought something happened before that. So I fall asleep. And then, like I said, we park. We can, we can, we can see, see the, the, the front car, of the front our car, of car from like, the window. If you were to turn on the lights, they'd be shining in my face right. from when uh-huh. I was laying in the bed. And my Saturn didn't have like. If you were to hit the alarm, or if someone were to set the alarm off, <clears throat> it just it just goes boop 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 like right. like that, right? So I wake up to, and keep in mind there are drunk people running Everywhere. all around this place. So I wake up to boop 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 like a sound my car's never made, and I was never able to make it since. And the lights were flashing. It's very staccato, and the lights flashed more than they would if you were to do just the alarm fob. Or, so just or was going it. out of control. It's yeah, it's kind of like. Like you would imagine, like maximum overdrive situation. Yeah, like the like, car's just going crazy, right? And so I'm. So I, my first thought is, man, fucking drunk idiots are like they're either setting on my car, yeah. or jumping on my car, doing something in my car. So I said, I start to set up, like pissed off, ready to go yell at people or whatever. And as I set up, so Melanie has set her bag, which is a duffel bag, on one of those that has a hand hand it's got like a handles, shoulder. but also a long shoulder, yeah, like a shoulder strap, strap. Kind yeah. of both of those. And she going sat on. it on one of those uh, the luggage that you you fold, it's in every hotel room. You fold it out. It's like you a little little stand, mm-hmm. like a little collapsible uh, stand you can set your luggage on. That's got a canvas middle that you set it down on. And her duffel bag is sitting right next to my head, so on the on the right of the bed. And as I set up, I notice the the shoulder strap for her bag is floating at what is pretty much my eye height as I'm setting up. So it's probably three feet above the bag and it's, it's not just hanging there. It's moving from side to side in the air as if something's holding it or moving it. And I look at it cause I'm honestly, I'm still thinking about my car and I'm yeah. worried about what's happening cause my car was still pretty new at the time. And so I'm, I'm ready to just go, like, bust some heads or whatever. But my mind slowly starts to register this thing floating that should not be floating. And I look over at it, and as my full attention sort of, sort of pivots to the shoulder strap, it slowly starts to set down 
and then just sort of rest on it doesn't drop quickly it's like like a, a really thin piece of paper like fluttering to the ground you know in a breeze and just sets down and then just sit and I and I, I think I go ugh and Melanie immediately goes what <laughs> and I was just like nothing <laughs> we'll do with this no you I, told me I you told, told me I told you right then yes okay because then I was like let's get up I can't sleep. Yeah, so I went outside. No one near my car. No one even close to my car. At that point, no, because this was like maybe two in the morning. There were I didn't hear anybody up and about. Yeah. There was no one around. No the one hubbub wandered. had died down. Yeah, no somewhat. one. People had passed out or whatever. There was no one wandering the grounds. Um, so whatever set off my car, you know, I don't think was. A it's maybe it was playing with your fob somewhere in yeah, your pants was, or something. It was, yeah, it was they making were from, it do weird they shit. They were over there somewhere, but there was, you know, there was nothing there, nothing else there that would have set it off. And like I, I mentioned, there were cats all over the place, but cats would jump on my car all the time at our <laughs> old place, uh, and. It would never set it off, and like I said, it was making a noise that I've never heard it make, like a series of noises, staccato blasts, and the way the lights are behaving. It's very weird. So that happens. We get up. We're up for a little bit. Then I pass back out, I guess, and then your stuff. Yeah, Mel has no problem just going right back to sleep. I don't know if you have experienced this with your man, but they're like, oh, man, shit's fucked up. (laughs) You know, and I mean, I am mortified. I am yeah. so I don't I've well, never I was been from the, I was like man fuck this ghost I have I'm never tired. been that scared in my life even to this day with other stuff happening yeah yeah like real stuff I could going tell it down was real, real fear for sure <clears throat> because you. I've had other uh, we, we've been like we were in a warehouse that was being robbed next door and we didn't know if they were going to come over and try to kill us I was not even that scared then as I was in that in that hotel room yeah so <clears throat> he's snoring and Mel snores really loud so I it's do. like okay He's asleep. Like, he's done for. Great. I'm by myself. So I spent the whole night as close to him as I possibly could, which is, uh, which is almost unbearable because he, he and our spawn are <clears throat> both very hot. We generate Natured yeah, people. You know, they're sleep, hot. Yeah, very hot. So sleeping on him is like sleeping, I don't know, inside a bear. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay away from this table with this lamp because <laughs> the lamp's going to move. But and I did finally, you mention that that's what happened in that ghost hunter? Yeah. Okay. The lamp okay. moved okay. in the yeah. ghost hunters. Okay. But that didn't happen. The lamp never moved. Um, but I was laying on my back. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just try to get through this. And I felt <clears throat> in between my feet, I just felt something ever so slightly yanking on the covers. And this was maddening because it was in between, am I imagining this? But then I was like, oh my God, I'm not imagining this. So I immediately like moved my body and I decided, okay, I'm going to lay on my stomach Kind of like Marty McFly. I sleep like that anyway, but I was pulling a Marty McFly. Or you sleep on your stomach and your head's all sideways and your arms all, you're kind of almost up on your elbow. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. <clears throat> I finally actually fall asleep like that. But I wake up to the feeling 
of somebody hitting me underneath my elbow that I'm propped up on. Because I was propped up on my elbow a certain way so I could be as far away from the table as possible because I was afraid of the lamp. Because I was like, it's going to move. Um, but something knocked me, knocked me from the inside of my elbow and that scared the shit out of me. I don't think I woke you up for that. I remember but I hearing just, your noise and like I just waking up. rolled over as close as I could to him because I felt I was terrified and I felt like really just felt this terrible energy like something was really wanting to play with me kind of like I wanted all those people outside to chill out a little bit because I was starting to get the feeling that if we did get visited it would be a uh, okay this is what you asked for, right? Right, right. Um, because it was just so disrespectful and so it was like circus. Yeah. It was like a circus. Yeah, yeah. And I totally. was like, if these people don't shut up, like this, this is just going to build and build. And I think that's what I felt immediately. And I didn't, I didn't feel like what was in the room was necessarily evil incarnate or anything like that. But I felt like a certain level of I'm here and I'm going to do what I can to let you know. And I really don't care if I scare you right. because this is what you guys wanted. Yeah. Um, so my stuff is easily explainable. Like you could say that I made it up for real because I'm not even sure some of this stuff really happened or if it was just me being so scared. But I cannot, I can't, I can tell you for sure Mel saw what he saw because Mel is not an excitable person by any means. Um, Whatever do you mean? You just, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, no, I don't believe that. That's dumb. So, but I can tell you, I was afraid. And I've never felt like that since then. And yeah. when we got up in the morning, I couldn't believe that the sun had come up. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was so happy. The, the thing that I remember the most that encapsulates the entire experience was <laughs> we'd set our alarm for six, I guess, because like the breakfast was at seven. This, yeah, breakfast was early. So to give us time to get ready and then pack because we we're going to hit the road and go to New Orleans. Um, so the alarm goes off. But I, you know how the alarm goes off? And it's like, burr, burr, burr. it goes, burr, and Melanie goes, thank God. Like it, had, it hadn't, hadn't even started ringing for a fraction of a second. That was one of the worst nights but of my she was, life. She was so ready to get the <laughs> fuck out of there. That was terrible. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't wish that on my... I mean, I asked for that, but it was terrible. Yeah. I I was so tired the whole next day, and I didn't even... Like, we went to breakfast, and everybody... Oh, did you see anything? Did you have an experience? Everybody wanted to talk did you see anything? about and, and we're just what like, happened. Nope. I didn't want to talk about anything. And yeah. all they had were, oh, I took this picture and there's orbs in it. And yeah. I'm like, shut up, you and your stupid orbs. Yeah. But I didn't even want to. It was like I had been like assaulted and I just didn't want to tell like the SVU team. Right. And they were like, no, talk about it. And I was like, no, I don't want to talk about this ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. Now I pretty, tell everybody. But. It was After pretty it intense. Happened. Like I, I actually, there were, <clears throat> there was a time where I was like, "Are we gonna need to go back home?" Because I could tell that it had really. I was so terrified, you. and yeah. at, as soon as we left that room, I, I mean, I couldn't wait to get off the property. Yeah, yeah. And when we went into the the normal cookie cutter Marriott or whatever we stayed in the next yeah. night, thankfully, never felt yeah, so thankfully, happy. Like I. We couldn't find rooms at another haunted place, which we tried to do initially in New Orleans, but all that stuff like the Andrew Jackson and all that 
it books up so quickly. Mm-hmm. So we ended up staying in the in the quarter at the Marriott there. Just some cookie cutter. Yeah, just normal not hotel. Haunted. Yeah, and uh, that was exactly <laughs> what needed to happen, honestly, because it was the, the previous night had been so intense. So that that was when that was when you felt your first like bout of relief, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was fine. Yeah. After that, and then we took we took a ghost tour that night, and that was fine that with was, that. Yeah, that was that was a blast. We you know of course saw the Nicolas Cage, uh, Lollary murder Light, mage, yeah. or you know Gateway to Hell, and uh, all the other cool stuff. <coughs> that was fun, but yeah, nothing. It, it was cool, and the city's obviously the city's cool, and we were in its element. It's Halloween night. In we the had a quarter. great time overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great, and it, but it. It, nothing compared but to Myrtle's was terrifying the pure yeah the it energy was terrifying. of that place like even walking around the house because you know we got we did get a tour yeah yeah that, which I think was the next morning right after I breakfast. don't know yeah, I but so. I didn't feel anything in that place right. I was fine they, the bullshit they were trying to tell us about the mirror was the mirror, just bullshit yeah. I think most of what they talk about on the tour is kind of bullshit yeah I'm not interested in that because I know that people see other things inside the house proper but I was nowhere near the terror that I experienced in that in that room. Yeah. In this, same. I, 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 if you were looking to go somewhere haunted, I don't think it would disappoint. Yeah, just stay in the slave quarters. I think because yeah, I definitely like Melanie said. Like I don't really. It's hard to scare me, quote unquote, scare me like that. But I felt I definitely felt unsettled and uneasy, and the the feeling between that building and the main house two totally different things like uh and the house is where most of the shit is supposed to have gone down and like on the porch is where the guy's supposed to have gotten shot but i didn't feel i didn't feel that uneasy vibe at all there the only other place on the grounds where i kind of felt like that was when we went out on that little island and the bridge with the cherubs and stuff like that kind of creeped me out or made the hair stand on my neck for, and I can't explain why. And we because we went out there during the day, and it was it was just something that I was I was just vibing on. But so I don't know if something happened out there, but nothing topped the the like the 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 slave quarters is like a lightning rod for that shit for sure. So yeah, it was pretty scary. Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely if you're if you're into that and you think you can handle it, um, I would say go stay there. Um. So yeah, so. My big, I guess my biggest quote unquote stories happened when I was at, um, I worked for uh, the public access station here in Houston. And uh, at the time it was called Access Houston. Uh, now it's called Houston Media Source. I think it's still called that. Uh, anyway, I worked there for a while during college. This was like 90, it was right after I moved back. So we're talking like 97 through 2001 ish. And, uh, what at the time when I worked there, they had this weird agreement. So if to go down the public access rabbit hole, you know, public access stations exist as part of an agreement with cable companies that they have to provide an easement for people, the public to use some of the, you know, bandwidth or, you know, the, the channel space to air like, you know, uh, their views, municipal access, public service, that kind of thing. Generally, what happens is, you know, through through labyrinthine deals with the city, like you know, you get funded through the cable bills, and then you you know they end up in a facility. At least in my experience, and the the facilities that we visited at the time, 
save for the one in Austin, of course. Surprise, surprise, that one was really nice. They usually end up in buildings that are kind of like owned by the city but are sort of like in disuse or they have nothing else they can do with. So, uh, and that's probably changed by now. But at the time that I was working there, this is how it kind of was. Um, so our access facility was located in the Hoffheins Mansion, which is it's still there. It's located on 59 and Bernard Street near Richmond, near the uh, uh, near where all the you know 59 and all that everything comes together there by Alabama on Alabama. Uh, I think now it's called the Hoffheins. I think it's called Hoffheins House now. It used to be a catering company. I think now it's an event space. But anyway, it's a big pink mansion, uh, pretty old building that's got a carriage house that's also super creepy. And uh, pretty soon after I started working there, I was told that, you know, uh, people started asking me, have you seen the ghosts yet? Have you seen the ghosts yet? And um, the thing is, inside this place, it was sort of, it was not built out to be like what you would think is a TV station. We were kind of... It was like a studio in a house. Right, it was a studio in a house. Like, it was retrofit. Mark did most of the stuff, our friend Mark Pertle. He retrofitted it all to just sort of fit within the house. Like, they didn't knock walls down. or I don't think they could, because I think it's a sort of a historical place. Yeah. But, like, our the main studio was in sort of, like, the living room area. And so they just had to black out the windows and, like, run the cable. Some of the cables, they actually did sort of drill holes in the floor, which I don't think they were supposed to do, and, like, run the cables down and into, their, into the basement, which it actually did have a basement, which was pretty creepy. It had a basement and an attic. So just think of like having editing suites and equipment and stuff in this actual big house, um, and uh, like a like a not a mansion like you would think of in Beverly Hills or whatever, where it's wide open spaces. It's like a you know a southern mansion, so it's just like a, just a bigger version of like a bungalow house. Just put two of those on top of each other, right? But it had a very beautiful like um, uh foyer and then stair wooden staircase there used to be an elevator there i think when the hoffines still lived there but they had taken that out but it was a staircase that sort of goes up there's a landing and then it goes up again to a u-shaped landing and the second floor on the u-shape around the u-shaped landing were all the bedrooms and those bedrooms were now the executive offices for the people that you know were the administrators there and then downstairs was equipment editing suites and uh the studio so pretty soon after i started working there People started asking me about the ghost. Did you see the ghost? Did you hear the ghost? And I was like, no, I haven't heard anything about that. But uh, a couple of people that worked there with me at the time would say, because what we would do is we had keys to the place. So if we needed to use equipment or needed to edit anything, because the editing suites would always be booked during the day, because uh, so many people wanted to use the place, uh, we would come in after hours to use the place. So usually there'd be someone there, excuse me, editing super late at night, almost every night, working on their thing. If it was a music video for a band or their TV show or some parade they shot, you know, that was like a passion project that they were going to put on the air. They would edit overnight. So because of this, like people that would edit overnight would always have these crazy stories about hearing footsteps or, or you know, feeling like they were being watched or hearing doors closed downstairs. Cause the editing suite that was the nicest one that we would use uh, was upstairs on the third floor. So we would, most of us would go up there and use that one because it was just, it was a st- like downstairs. They pretty much was just it was just real to real old school, tape to tape editing. It what this was this all happened before uh, desktop editing, Adobe Premiere, and all that. Before not before that happened, but before we got that stuff. So you know it's just old school, uh, you know, deck to deck editing. Upstairs was the nonlinear suite, so we'd all use that one. So. 
upstairs, people would just hear shit all the time. And initially I was like, well, there's trees all over this place. You're hearing trees brush the house or it's an old house. It's making noise. We're right by the a main freeway. So that may be causing stuff. So I kind of just wrote it off until, you know, one day I was working. Um, we would work. We would kind of draw straws to work on uh, holidays uh, like Memorial Day and stuff like that because usually there would be um, events going on on those days, parades or whatever, so people would want to come in and use the equipment. So there was a demand for us to be open. So we'd kind of figure out who was going to work when, and generally it ended up being a pretty cushy deal because you would get there in the morning, check out equipment to people that wanted to go shoot whatever was happening, and then you'd have all this dead time throughout the day to just kind of chill. And then they'd bring up, bring back all the equipment later at night. So I would just sit there and read comics during the day. That's our cat, if you hear him. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Melly's going to go get Reagan. I'm going to, but I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Whew, sorry. Uh, Melanie had to go get Reagan from school, and I had to go to the bathroom. But, okay, anyway, um, where was I? We are talking about... Uh, editing oh the holiday stuff so i just i was working on one memorial day and uh i had gotten there everybody had checked out the equipment it was kind of dead so i was reading comics all of a sudden i'm sitting there and i just hear this loud noise like boom like just chaos it sounded like so the back of the house was where the parking lot was and uh the car, my my pickup truck, I had a truck at the time, was the only truck, the only car back there. It actually sounded, it sounded like someone had like hauled ass into the gate and into the parking lot without stopping and it just run in the back of my car. Like it sounded like that kind of crash. So I pop up, run out of the door to see what's going on. And the way this place is built, um, maybe I can link to pictures online or something, but the door that you would enter for the equipment area wasn't the front door of the house. It was sort of like a side door that's on the small side porch. And the side porch face pretty much faces 59, the highway. And there's a 270-degree view, essentially, of the, the area from there. And it's all pretty much fenced in. So if I, if I were to walk straight out of the door and look straight ahead, I'm looking at the highway. There's obviously the end of the porch and then a little bit of yard and then fence and then highway. To my left, it's just more high fence and then it butts up against a big wall and a big fence that is the house to the left of us to to my left at the time to my right it's high you know metal fence metal fence metal fence to our gate which i had pulled most of the way shut because we didn't have anybody we weren't expecting anybody for a while uh so i would just went outside and shut the gate most of the way and then if someone needed to get in they would call me and i'd go open it um but i was just trying to keep people from coming in and hanging out. There were a lot of transients hanging out around the time. So this is why I run out and, uh, it, the time it took me to get from my desk out to the outside of the door was probably less than a second where we sat right there, you know? And it, like I said, it sounded like someone had just demolished my car or something similarly terrible. So I run outside cause I think it's going to be emergency, you know, it's an emergency situation. So by the time I get out onto the porch, I'm able to see, in most of my field of vision, if anybody is running away or driving away or just trying to make an escape in any direction. And the thing is, if they, the part, the portions I couldn't see that were sort of like, I guess, sort of over my shoulders in that 
in that area out of my field of vision between like my right shoulder and my left shoulder behind me, it's either the house or there's nowhere to run because the houses that butt up to the property, it's just like a sheer, there's nowhere to climb or run. You know, there, it's all like concrete walls. So there's no way you could scale up and climb out, uh, which I don't, that wouldn't be logical anyway. Like if, if someone was running away, they would just take the easiest way to run out and just run out of the gate because it was open a little bit. Because uh, the, the the portions of the metal fence are not big enough to squeeze through, and it's a little bit too high to jump, and it's pretty pointy and dangerous at the top, so it's it's you can't really scale it. So what I'm saying is, I got out there, and there's no one in my field of view. There's no one parked in the lot. There's no one driving away. There's no one even out in the neighborhood at this time. It's quiet. There's nothing going on. There's not even really cars going by on the freeway. Because I, I was like, maybe I heard an accident right there because the freeway kind of dips down right there. If any of you guys saw any of like, the crazy Harvey flooding, that's one of the areas that would flood real bad uh, that they would show a lot on TV. So I could see the freeway. like I could see what was going on uh, in that dip, and there was nothing. It was just like, very light traffic. So there's, you know, there's nothing I can tie this chaos to. So then I'm like, well, let me walk around the grounds a little bit and see what's up. So I walk out back towards the parking lot. I check my truck. It's still the only car there. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing's happened to it. And as I sort of, and I look, I look over at the carriage house, the door's closed, the windows are all shut. There's no one hiding next to it or, you know, cause you can only really hide crouch next to it. It's, it's like there was no behind to it to where you could hide behind it or hide in a corner everything would be in view. And if you were hiding and decided to run away, you would run, you'd have to run around the front of the house and then run all the way back around to the gate to get out. So there was no one, no one nearby. And as I walk around to my truck, I notice there's like water on the ground. It hadn't rained, but I see all this water on the ground. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I notice it looks like footprints, like naked footprints, like as in they don't have shoes on. It's just bare feet. And uh, I follow them sort of backwards and they go, so they go, they go back to the concrete stairwell that comes up out of the cellar from the outside. Down the, so there was right in front of where my truck was parked, there's this railing, then there's this concrete stairs that go down. Like I said, this house is strange, strange for Houston. It had a basement. Uh, most houses here don't have basements because of swampland and everything, but this one did. Um, so it would go down. It, the, the concrete steps would go down into the basement, and that was a place that, again, notorious for flooding, water would always stand there and get like gross, um, just because there was no drainage built, you know, for that pl- for that little area. So there was an old sump pump down there that we would have to turn on if it started raining real hard. But like I said, it hadn't rained, so we hadn't turned it on, and there was still like a a little bit, like maybe half an inch of water that was setting down there, and coming out of that water up the stairs and out into the parking lot were these wet footprints. And they kind of just came out to roughly maybe halfway into the halfway down the sidewalk into the parking lot. And they just stopped cold. Like they didn't go to the gate. They didn't go through the parking lot. Um, they just stopped. They didn't. And it wasn't like the guy ran out of water cause they were still very wet and clear where they stopped. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, okay, that's a whole foot, that's a whole foot, that's less of a foot, that's less of a foot, okay, his foot's dry. It was like, those are whole footprints, and then they're gone. Now, 
down there's a there was a wooden door that you could enter the basement through from the outside. We would never go in there because number one, no one wanted to go down there and go through that nasty puddle of water. But number two, it just it looked just you know creepy and weird. There's no reason to go in that way. We could just go in through the house. So uh, it had kind of been barricaded up a little bit, and this door was blown off its hinges, kind of just hanging there, swinging as if someone had just busted out of it and run right up the stairs. And so that was my first experience with weird shit there because I have no idea what busted out and where it went and how long it had been there. But something clearly had just come out, something, I guess, human or humanoid, and wet footprints up the stairs and the door was just hanging. Now, I went and reported this to our uh, lead technician kind of Ursat's uh, general manager, Mark, he wasn't really the general manager, but he was the general manager in all but name. He did everything there. He's still there. Uh, he's a good guy. I talk to him quite often. and he's But he's very pragmatic. He does not believe in any of this, uh, you know, uh, oogie boogie stuff. Um, and he was just like, it had to be someone staying down there or you were seeing things. Now, what I was told early on was that, and I don't know if this was bullshit, but part of the part of the agreement for us to be in that building was that we would never uh, go in the basement or go in the attic because that's where the ghosts live. Now, that does sound like bullshit to me, but still, I mean, I don't know who made the story up because we did, we pretty much never went in either of those places. Uh, I looked in the attic once and it was creepy as hell. I I really didn't want to go up there again. And, uh, I was in the basement maybe once or twice, but the person that did go down there a lot was Mark because, like I said, he'd have to run cables. That was the easiest way to run cables around that place uh, for the cameras and stuff without destroying the house. Um, and I, I swear to you, like every story I heard and every time something happened was when he was down there mucking around with installing something new or running new cables. Now, of course, he poo-pooed all this and it was like, oh, it's, you just you guys are just making shit up. But... This happened right after, I think, you know, we had to, I don't think we installed new cameras or anything like that, but he had done a lot of work down there and this happened right after that. So that's that story. Now, of course I blow it off. People start to arrive later. So I kind of get less wigged out. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't leave anyway. So I just kind of hung out and I, I told the story to a couple of people and I just started to you know, sort of forget what had happened. And um, then one day I was there. We had decided to, during the summer, because we had so much traffic um, with producers and stuff that wanted to work, I, we decided to start staying open until midnight. So uh, I think it was uh, one summer, one summer that was going on, I was closing closing up the place. Uh, it was getting close to midnight, but most of the producers had taken off, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to shut down early because they, some people would bring stuff back like, you know, down to the wire. They want to have the camera as late and as long as possible, of course. But, uh, this girl, uh, this girl that I was seeing at the time, uh, we'll call her Rachel. Uh, I actually tried to get her on here, uh, for reasons that will become apparent. Um, but she declined. So I'm going to, preserve her anonymity but uh, Rachel came up and we were going to go see a super late movie 
uh, after this happened. Oh, my kid just walked in. Hey, Reagan. How was school? Good. Daddy's telling ghost stories. <laughs> the uh, when that one time, one time when I saw something kind of creepy at my old job. Yeah. Uh, I think it was real, but I don't know. Maybe I was seeing things. Okay, so uh, Rachel and I were going to go see a movie. Uh, I tried to. Oh, get I used my real names. Was that bad? No, I think that's fine. Well, the hello. So I asked, quote unquote, Rachel if she wanted to call in and, and corroborate, and she got kind of weird about it. So that's why I'm just going to preserve her anonymity. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, she. We had decided to go see a movie right after. This is when you could go see stuff. At, well, you still can, but it was, you know, it's common during the summer that movies start at midnight, 12.30, 12.45 or whatever. I think actually what we're going to go see is Eyes Wide Shut. It was around that time. If that, I think that that's it. But anyway, she says, I'm going to come meet you at work. We'll lock up and then we'll go see the movie. We're going to go to the end. What was the, then the Angelica downtown? So uh, she comes in. Um, there's nobody there. And I was like, okay, well, I have to go upstairs and lock up, make sure everything is locked up. Got to lock up the windows, lock up the doors, and just make sure everything is locked down. And so I was like, you want to wait for me? And she's like, there's no way I'm waiting down here by myself while you go do that. So she follows me upstairs, and <clears throat> I'm turning the lights off, and it's like a, like a Scooby-Doo thing. Like she's holding my, the back of my shirt, and like we're creeping along because – I think she's a little terrified because I had told her all these other stories, right? And so we, I go up to the, like I said, the U-shaped landing where uh, all the offices were. I go in the offices, make sure all the office lights are turned off, make sure all the office doors are turned off. And somehow during all this, uh, Rachel gets in front of me and we're coming down one of the U-shaped hallways to turn left into the door that goes onto the landing to then take another left down the stairs. And so remember, like, it's the staircase, a big, wide, old-school wooden staircase, uh, two-tier. So it's, like, one tier up from the foyer, then a land, a big, fat landing, and then uh, another tier up to the upper, the second floor. And remember, like, it's pretty wide because there used to, there's a pretty big space because there used to be an elevator there. So it's a, a it's not like a small staircase. So anyway, we, all the lights are off upstairs. Rachel's in front of me. We're getting ready to turn left into the hallway that where the staircase is or, you know, into like the top landing of the staircase, the stairwell. And she just stops dead in front of me like I run into her. And we're not even moving that fast, but I run into her and feel like I'm going to knock her over. And I was and I hear her just sucking breath, <gasps> you know, like that. And I'd say, you know, what what is it? And she doesn't say anything, so I'm like, oh, shit. You know, my first thought actually is someone broke in or there's a bum down there or something. Because the front two doors, if you were to keep going down the staircase and just keep going straight through the foyer, there are the two big double doors that are actually the front doors of the house, and they're mostly glass. So you could get in them pretty easily. And I always wondered about people breaking in and getting through those. And uh, so I move her out of the way or kind of move her to the side, and I look down the stairwell, and on the, on the landing, coming up the second flight of stairs, I see a man who I can only describe, he looked like kind of like Ward Cleaver, or Mad Men, you know, era. 
something from the 50s. He looked like that. He had his hand on the banister. He was walking up the stairs. He had his foot on like maybe the second or third stair moving up. He looks up at us. We look down at him. I can see the wall behind him. I can see it through him. So he's like, if we're talking like opacity percentage, he was probably like set at 60%. Like he was mostly there, but I, it was still obvious that you could see through him. We look at each other for what I feel is like a couple of minutes, but it couldn't have been that long. We just stare there. He looks up at us and then he turns and then goes right back into the wall. We sit there for a couple of seconds. And then Rachel says, let's get the fuck out of here right now. So I said, okay. So we, we, wordlessly, we go down to the car, get out. I lock the door, uh, lock the gate, get out of there, drive away. We don't even go to the movie at this point. We actually went to the parking lot of the 59 Diner, which was 24 hours at the time, the one on Richmond. And we sat there, and I said, uh, okay. And it, we're saying nothing this whole ride. And I say, okay, tell me what you saw. And Rachel describes to me exactly what, pretty much what I saw, what I just described to you. She's like, I turned the corner, and there was a guy standing there on the stairs coming up. And I stopped. And are you getting scared, Reagan? No, because it's not really that scary. Nothing scary happened. We just saw something crazy. My daughter was looking at me wide-eyed from her room. You want to say hello to everybody? You can say hello. What? No, the people that are going to listen to this. Just say hello. Hello. <laughs> are you going to go get changed? Are you going to turn your TV on in there? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. And that is how we break tension. Okay. And that is how we break tension. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Okay, that's good. I'll be finished in just a second. So we sit there in the parking lot, and she describes to me what I just, pretty much what I just said. And she was, she was, she was mortified. And it was like, it was real, real terror that I did not see again until we had that night at, until we had that night at the Myrtles when, when Melanie was freaked out. And honestly, that is how I know that what we saw was real because if I had just seen that on my own, wait till I get, wait till I get done, sweetie. I'll be done in a couple minutes. If what I, if what, if I had been there by myself, I would have questioned whether or not what I had seen was real. If I was just sort of hallucinating it. And I know that she saw exactly what I saw without me sort of prodding her. So <clears throat> that's why I was hoping to sort of get her on here to just sort of have her tell her side of that. But, uh, it seemed like she was still a little weirded out, weirded out by it. And also, I just don't know if she wants to be on a podcast um, like this <laughs> without saying too much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's those are pretty much my access experiences. So we saw that and I could never manage to tie. I did a little research at the time, uh, but a lot of the stuff on the Internet was still pretty formative. So I didn't find a whole mu- a whole bunch about the place. But I do know that they called, you know, they called that judge a hanging judge, and supposedly people were hung in his front yard, in his in the tr- off the tree in the front yard. So I'm sure there's a lot of dark energy connected to that. Um, but I was never really able to get that many specifics, and even then, like that doesn't really line up with what I saw, which was seemed like someone from the 1950s, you know, there. So 
Uh, at some point, if I have more time, I might look into it more. I would love, I would love to. Excuse me, I keep uh, belching a little bit, and my voice is doing weird stuff. I would love to go. Uh, to, to f- I would love to be able to ask the people that are there now if they had any crazy experiences. I'm a fox. <laughs> because they, uh, because I don't know, man. It just had they had they have to have. There was so much going on there, and that the carriage house is a real creepy place. Like I've heard stories from other people that feel like they saw stuff in the windows when they're driving away. Uh, there's there were there were actually other stories that I could tell. There were actually other stories that I could tell from other people that work there. Um, but I might try and, you know, rope them in and get them to do it on their own because there were some, oh yeah, that Rose one is a good one. I was going to tag her in this and, and see if she wanted to tell it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so those are my access stories. So if you, if you ever find yourself over at 3,900 Milam, <laughs> uh, bring your ghost hunting equipment because there's definitely something going on there. Um, and with that said, uh, I think we'll wrap this one up. Again, we just want to do a little fun thing uh, for the holiday because it's pretty special to us, obviously. We got married on it or near it. Um, and uh, just wanted to mention that the music, that we have different music on this one because I want yeah, to go for something. Yeah, there's different music right now. Yeah? Who, do you know, can you say, can you say the music was done by Two Star Symphony with my daddy? The music was done with... From Two Stars Symphony. With my daddy. With my daddy. Two Star Symphony with my daddy. Two Star Symphony with my daddy. Pretty good. And uh, Pretty the, good. it's the uh, title track from uh, Psychic Experiment, which is probably one Psychic of Psychic Experiment. Which is, that title track is probably one of my favorite musical things I've done. And they really kicked, I'm going to say kicked butt on it. Um, but it's my favorite creepy thing that I've done. And then I, for the end credits, I pro- or for the end role, I'll probably do the outro for Psychic Experiment because I like that one too. That's my favorite thing I've done on my own. Um, but it's from a creepy movie that I have mixed feelings about that I did, but I like the music a lot. So uh, we're going to throw that on there. And we're actually working with Two Star Symphony right now for music on uh, the movie formerly known as Imago, which... Hopefully we'll be able to talk about soon. And we're doing a lot of post-production work on it now, as far as getting ready to hand it off, hand it off to, um, hand it off to our audio guy and our coloring guy, and uh, we've handed it off to, to Star to start checking it out and come up with some more music. So because we've turned it into a different beast entirely with some new stuff that we've shot, and hopefully soon we'll be able to announce what's happening with it and what it's now called and when it's coming out and all those things. So. Um, hopefully we'll be able to talk about that, but, uh, just to sort of tie all this creepy oogie boogie stuff into actual filmmaking. There you go. Um, hopefully we'll be back in another couple of weeks. It looks like we're, we're gone. We've gone to a every three weeks kind of schedule just to space it out and have stuff to actually talk about. So look for us in about three more weeks. Um, and hopefully by then we can talk about some Imago stuff. And I think Chris is actually working on it, supposed to be going to work on another movie, so maybe he could talk about that too. And uh, we can get Brittany back and we can do another green lid or BS. My kid's in the room, so I, you know, I have to censor myself a little bit. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little diversion. Everything we said was true to the best of our knowledge. It was our experience. Um, I do have to mention that I don't usually believe, I definitely don't believe in psychics and stuff like that. I'm not easily... 
fooled by that stuff. So when Melanie said, I'm, it's hard to sort of move me in that way, it definitely is. Like, I'm pretty skeptical, but I'm also open. Like, I don't deny the fact that this stuff can exist. And this is, and a lot of it is because of the stuff that I... Yeah. Yeah? Are you backing me up? Are you my hype man, like Flavor Flav? Say yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, a lot of it is because of those experiences I had. So hope you enjoyed it. And yes, I will. I'm wrapping up right now and I'll come turn your TV on. All right. So my kid needs me. So I will talk to you guys next time.